It's the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. We're driven by the search for better, but when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search, match with Indeed. 93% of employers agree Indeed delivers the highest quality matches compared to other job sites, according to a recent Indeed survey. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash podcast. Just go to Indeed.com slash podcast right now and support our show by saying you heard about Indeed on this podcast. Indeed.com slash podcast. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire. You need Indeed. What's up and welcome to the Lockdown Reds podcast. I'm your host, Jeff Carr. Thank you for joining me here today. We've got so much to get to. I really want to dig into the season that Eugenio Suarez had in 2021. You say, oh boy, here we go. Going to talk about some bad stuff. I'm going to tell you why I saw signs that he's back. Signs that he's going to have a much better 2022 season. I'm going to tell you why that is of the utmost importance for this Cincinnati Reds team. We're getting into all that today. This week, we've got a packed week. Last week was kind of weird. Time got away from me. We only had four episodes. This week, I got six for you. We're going to have a bonus on Thursday because there's so much historical stuff that went down on this date in Reds history coming up this Thursday, and Cam Miller's going to join us to talk about that. We also got Wick Terrell later this week talking about this Red season and where the Reds are going in the offseason with a bold prediction to boot. And we've got Paul Holden from Lockdown Rockies who's joining us on Wednesday to talk about Nick Castellanos and why the Rockies are going to be one of the first teams lining up if he uses that opt-out. We're going to talk about all of that this week. You're not going to want to miss any of it. Make sure that you're subscribed right here on YouTube or you're following me on your favorite podcasting app. Thank you for making Lockdown Reds your first listen every day because we're free and available wherever you get your podcasts and we are so excited to talk Reds, hopefully making you a smarter Reds fan each and every day as I'm just, I'm, I'm obsessed with them, man. I'm, I'm all about the Reds. I know we had a rough year this past season, winning record, boot, whatever. They didn't make the playoffs. That was rough, but the future looks good. And part of the reason is a Eugenio Suarez is poised for a bounce back next year. Going to talk to you all about that on today's Locked On Reds. You are Locked On Reds, your daily Cincinnati Reds podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. One of the things that I like to do when I talk about players bouncing back or players that maybe aren't necessarily getting the love that they deserve, maybe they're getting unlucky or something like that, is the fact that I like to look at like BABIP and and, and stuff like that. We're not actually doing that today. This is a little bit of a change up here, but make no mistake about it. When it comes to Eugenio Suarez and when it comes to his role on this team, it is of the utmost importance. And whenever we reference from here on out throughout the offseason, in between now and opening day for 2022, I want you to remember October, what is today? October 18th. 
2021, remember today's podcast, because if ever you need to go back and look at something about a Eugenio Suarez, about my take on a Eugenio Suarez, this is going to be the compendium. This is going to be the dissertation of what Gino was in 2021 and how he can help the Reds in 2022 with the bounce back that I believe is coming. Firstly, and, and let's throw up this nice picture of here. This is after he hit a home run, obviously. But uh, Eugenio Suarez is one of the key members of this team. Make no mistake about it, the fact that he hit a buck 98 and couldn't field a ball at shortstop for most of the year really did not change his standing on this team. We can debate as to who's going to be the face of the franchise. If Nick Castellanos doesn't opt out, I think Castellanos becomes the face of the franchise. But... And the way Joey Votto had his 2021 year definitely kind of took the torch back. It felt like he handed the torch to Gino in 2019, and maybe he kind of took it back for safekeeping this past season. But Gino showed life in the month of September, and it was something that all year long, he seemed to be plagued by bad plate discipline. He seemed to be plagued by maybe it was mechanics. Maybe it was mentality. Gino's a big mentality guy. When you talk about Joey Votto, you know that he understands every detail of the mechanics of a baseball swing. Eugenio Suarez has similar understandings, but I think a lot of his performances come from good mental standings, come from Good vibes only. That's what he always says. And it was interesting to note because in his final interview of the season, whenever they were talking to him about whenever the local press were talking with Gino about what his final month meant to him, he was talking about, you know, finishing strong and how important that was. But see, Trent Rosecrans had a very interesting question. And really the only thing that I had on my mind whenever I was looking at this interview, like, what was different about September? Was it something mechanical? Did he make some sort of big change in his swing? And Gito had an interesting answer for that. I just, you know, I just, not not really. I just making my adjustment on my elbows. First of all, I think my my front elbow was too high. And 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 I, when what I make in my adjustment just was keeping my short, my elbows uh, on, Close to my to my body, and I keep I keep keeping my swing on and in, in, uh, inside the ball, and you know keep my swing through, because first of all, when my elbow was higher, my first move was out the the body. My swing, my elbow was out the body. So if I keep my elbow close to my body, I keep my swing and. and you know, through the ball, through a pitch, and then that I, for just that that small thing that I just make it a, that adjustment in the last months it helped me a lot. Much of that interview, he was talking about, you know, how he was in the good mental state, how he felt a lot better and things like that as the, as the season moved along, because obviously he went through a long period of time where you can only imagine what the thoughts were in his head. Like, why on earth can I hit the ball? Why on earth am I hitting below 200? Why are people talking about renaming the Mendoza line to the Eugenio Suarez line? Things like that. But I understand the mechanical side of things. 
kind of approaching it. Obviously, I'm not a professional baseball player, and I'm not really a professional golfer either. I just like to get out there and swing the sticks and have a few brews. But when it comes to the game of golf, keeping your elbows tight keeps your swing under control. Same for baseball. And that's kind of what he was talking about. His leading elbow was getting too high. So he'd go through his swing and be coming up like this. And he'd lose control of the bat. So his swing would get a little bit longer, a little bit slower. And no matter what the pitch was, whether it was a fastball, breaking ball, or off-speed pitch, he wasn't catching up to it. He wasn't finding it in the zone where it was going to be. So that's where the inconsistencies came for much of the season. And I like that that was just a little bit of a tweak that he made. It's not as if he had to rebuild his entire swing because that was almost a worry for me. When I watched Eugenio Suarez, I was thinking, is he going to have to change his game? Is he going to have to completely reinvent himself in the offseason to figure out what it was he lost? And I don't think that that is the case at all. I, I think that it's just a couple of tweaks here and there. And I think he made those tweaks in September. And as long as he can kind of keep himself healthy and keep himself in some sort of rhythm during the off season, we are looking at an Eugenio Suarez that is returning to the kind of player we expect him to be the kind of player who can help anchor this lineup in the middle and not be a liability. I've got some more thoughts on this and I'm going to break it down a little bit based on like pitch zones from Statcast and things like that, that I want to talk about. But the reason that he is so important and just, he is going to be here for three more years under his contract. He is owed a little bit over $35 million. And I think incentives probably bumps that up a little bit more based on his performance from last year. If the Reds were to try to trade him, number one, they'd be trading at, uh, trading him at his lowest value. So they would not be getting somebody coming back that I think would make a huge impact for them right now or maybe even in the future at all. And they probably have to eat some of that contract or most of that contract, whatever that looks like, whether they trade the contract to, the, uh, to another team but then also have to package a prospect that actually would help them out in their own organization, which that makes no sense for this juncture or eating the money that would then take away from the ability to go out and sign somebody. So you're not getting rid of the contract. You're just literally getting rid of the player. And that's really kind of going to be one of the questions with Mike Moustakis as well. But when you look at the idea of moving on from Gino, as some fans have said they want to see the Reds do, that's what we're talking about. And I don't think that that would be a prudent decision, especially based on the developments from the month of September. Anyway, we're going to jump a little bit more into detail about his plate discipline here in just a minute. And I've got a thought on what next year might look like for a Eugenio Suarez. Before we talk about that, though, I want to tell you about consolidating. Nope, hit the wrong button there. I want to talk to you about consolidating your entertainment under one television screen and under one profile. It's, I mean, how many times do you have to remember a password for one entertainment, whether it be Netflix or Hulu or something like that, bring it all under one profile and one screen with direct TV stream, go to directtv.com right now to learn about the different entertainment packages that you can subscribe to, because they've got all of your favorite television movies and live sports. You've got reality TV, news TV, all of that great stuff can be found on direct TV stream. Check it out at directtv.com 
today and stop worrying about using multiple devices to watch all your different shows, using multiple profiles and remembering all those passwords. Or, or maybe you're like me and you enjoy having your password saved somewhere, but you might be worried about some kind of hacker going in and grabbing that. Don't worry about that either. Go to directtv.com, learn about DirecTV Stream, and bring all of that under one television screen and one profile today. DirecTV Stream has, requires a compatible device, and the contents of it vary by the package that you choose. All right, back to Gino, because 2021 was disheartening. Uh, we saw a continued decline. And, and honestly, one of the other things that kind of had me worried a little bit was not the strikeout percentage. He's always been a high strikeout guy. It was the fact that it was his lowest walk percentage since 2016. It's been a while you, you can live with, and you look at some of the stats, like when you go back and you look at 2019 and 2018, he was hitting for like two, an average around 260, 270, and he was still getting on base 35, 36% of the time, but he was striking out at a high clip. And that was always kind of the thing, the talking point for people who wanted to be critical of Gino was, well, he strikes out too much. He also added in the fact that he didn't walk this year. He only walked 9.8% of the time. If he can bump that up a little bit, that would be good for 2022. Let's look at this. The StatCast, Baseball Savant is an amazing uh, you, tool to understand how different players play. And when you look at some of the things they've got, they've got average exit velocity, launch angle, expected statistics, all this other stuff. They've also got hot and cold zones looking at whether it be a pitcher and where he throws his best stuff or a hitter where he gets his best hits and where he struggles a bit. Firstly, let's look at this. This is the percentage of pitches that a Eugenio Suarez saw in 2021. You notice a vast majority, and so right here is where he would be standing. So, you know, he's standing on this side of the plate. The vast majority of pitches that he saw, go <laughs> get it pointed the right thing, low and away. And you can bet that those are breaking balls. 22% of the pitches that Eugenio Suarez saw in 2021 were low and away. Now, the nice thing about that was he was actually in a pretty decent percentile. I think it was in the 79 percentile rankings as far as chase rate. He didn't chase as much as you might think. The only thing with that is he had some bad, uh, or, hang on, let me get back to that. He had some bad whiff rates there. Again, he's standing right here, and this is the low and away zone that, all the pitchers were really throwing all of their pitches too. He whiffs on 64% of the swings that he has there. The good news is he doesn't swing at it a whole lot. He only swung in at 25% of those pitches. And I think the total number of pitches and without overloading you with all these different zones, I think he saw somewhere around like 500 pitches low and away. He only swung at 25% of those. The problem was when he swung, he missed it almost 65% of the time. So he needs to get a little bit better at that. Learn how to take those pitches as they come. Maybe, you know, you drop your bat a little bit. Maybe you just poke it out into right field for him to go the other way, or maybe you just lay off it at all. I, I'm sure that they will come up with a plan for that this off season, but those are kind of his plate discipline things. And when I look at that, 
I'm not overly concerned. I think if he takes a few more pitches next year and really bumps up his on-base percentage, we're going to think a lot better of Gino, and that's going to see his batting average come up as well. That's why when I look at Gino in 2022, this isn't even a bold prediction. I'm not sitting here and telling you, blowing smoke up, you, you know what. When it comes to A. Eugenio Suarez in 2022, I see this happening. I see A. Eugenio Suarez batting around 220, getting on base around 35% of the time, so an on base of about 350, and I think he's going to slug around 500. Look, his month of September, he was back to the old Gino. The old Gino had an easy, compact swing. He was able to do exactly what he wanted with the baseball because his swing wasn't this big, looping power swing. I think part of that, and again, this goes back to the fact that Gino is a more mental guy than he is a analytical or, you know, he's, he's, he's all about that mindset. I think he entered this season, he was talking in spring training, I'm going to hit 50 home runs. I think he entered with the wrong mindset. He wanted to hit home runs whenever he swung the bat. So he was more worried about those big, looping power swings, the kind that you saw from Adam Dunn or something like that. He built his career around that because he knew that's what his swing was like, Adam Dunn. Gino, on the other hand, made a tweak. Tried to make it more powerful, tried to make it a bigger swing, but because of that, he really messed everything else up. And I think that that more explains why these last couple of years have been so rough for him. He was, he was trying to add power. He saw what Joey was doing and adding power, but he went around it. He went about it kind of differently and kind of wrongly. And then he understood if I keep my elbows in and I keep my swing compact, I'm going to be a much better hitter. And I think that he's going to enter 2022 with that mindset, and he's going to be a lot better for it. We're not going to be talking about the Mendoza line version of a Eugenio Suarez. We're going to be talking about the dude who is helping the Reds and being in the middle of this order and anchoring a lineup. Because here's the thing. Gino is going to be here. And Gino cannot be so. So when you go to baseballreference.com and you look up the 2021 Cincinnati Reds, they have all these pictures of the different players who were the top 10 players as far as wins above replacement are concerned on the team. You'll see Wade Miley, you see Tyler Malley, you see the pitchers, you see Joey Votto, you see Nick Castellanos. Eugenio Suarez is nowhere to be found because for the most part, he had a negative wins above replacement next year or last year because of how terrible he was. It can't be anymore. Every single year from here on out during his contract, he has to be his, his headshot has to be on that rundown. And I think that it will be, I, I think that it will be, he's going to bounce back because I am buying what he did in September. You might not be, I don't know. Give me your reactions on Twitter at Jeff Carr with three F's and hit me up on the lockdown reds line as well at five, one, three, five, four, nine, zero, one, five, nine. But I just feel like he's figured it out. He, he found the mechanical flaws on his swing. He found exactly what it was that he needs to tweak. And I think he did it. And I think he's going to build on that success from September into 2022. All right, coming up here, I want to talk a little bit about the playoffs, a little bit about the Atlanta Braves, and kind of rope it back into some Reds conversation. But before I talk about that, I got to tell you about Built Bar one more time. I've told you about them thousands of times for a while now. Looking at the best tasting protein bar on the market, there, there's no argument anymore. It's made with 100% real chocolate, but it's healthy for you. We're not talking about some kind of weird chalky feels. It's got, you don't take a bite and want to spit it back out and me 
immediately, but you're not going to because it's healthy. No, 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 no. You take a bite. You love it. You feel like you're getting that candy bar craving filled, but it's healthy for you because they're only about 120 to 130 calories, less than four grams of fat, less than four grams of net carbs, and up to 18 grams of protein in each beautiful built bar. And they've got amazing flavors too, whether you're talking about uh, cookie dough chunk or you've got cookies and cream. And for the non-cookie flavor loving people, we've got cherry barcia, we've got orange strawberry. There's also amazing flavors like peanut butter brownie, mint chocolate brownie. And they've also got great uh, limited flavors that roll in and out all the time, like churro puff. And you've got apple crisp amazing things that when you just think about these flavors, you're not expecting it to be healthy, but they fit into pretty much any diet. Check them out today at built.com and use the promo code locked 15 to save 15% off your next order. Get yourself a mixed box and figure out what your favorite flavor is, or get a whole box of your favorite flavor and get it for 15% off with the promo code locked 15 at built.com. So watching these playoffs, and I, I know that I told you to take the Brewers to win the World Series. It's interesting because the odds on the different teams to win the World Series, the Braves, I believe, were the longest odds. And now they currently sit with a two-game lead, two games to nothing lead over the Los Angeles Dodgers. And yeah, I know that was kind of the case last year as well, and the Dodgers came back. But this Braves team is such an inspiration, such an encouragement for Reds fans. Let me tell you why. They did this thing where they saw contention coming, and they went all in. There were a couple of teams this year that you could kind of argue the contrary. They, they went all in and it didn't work. And there's some people that are starting to do that. They're like, Ooh, should the Reds be a little bit conservative? No, they've got to realize the opportunity in front of them. The Braves did. And honestly, the Braves, their opportunity wasn't even as uh, self-explanatory as where the Reds were at the trade deadline. The Reds looked to be close to contention at the trade deadline. The Braves were under 500. They just realized that they played in a division that was ripe for the taking. The Mets at that point were ahead in the NL East, but they knew that the Mets were not going to be there for long. And they knew that the Phillies were a shaky side as well. So what did they do? They looked at their deficiencies and they attacked them. They brought in some good hitters like Jorge Soler. They brought back Adam Duvall and they got going with these moves. And they also, you know, they, they helped out their bullpen because what does any contending team need? They need more relief pitching. And they went and they did that. It's an inspiration to me to see the way that the Braves attacked this trade deadline season of this past year and now to see where they are because this is something that the Reds need to realize. We are coming into an offseason where they can answer some questions with some moves. They can maybe keep Nick Castellanos. They can maybe go out and get another bullpen arm. They can maybe go out and get a right-handed bat. And when they do that, they're going to energize this fan base that is currently very worried because if you're like me, and you're watching this team and you're listening to what people are saying around this team, you understand that there is a chance that nothing will get done. There is a chance that we will see some key players leave. Nobody 
come and replace them from outside the organization. And then we are going to be handed this product that says, look, we've got some guys that we're bringing up from the minor leagues. We've got some guys who can bounce back. And with that, that's going to be enough. We got to understand, we got to figure out a way to get this message to Red's ownership. That's not going to be enough. We understand that teams have to improve from without as much as they have from within. The Dodgers, I understand, operate under this unlimited budget and their their monthly or their yearly budget just comes from another dimension. I, I think that how they sign players and, and the money that they get, it comes from what if dimensions. Like they just open up a portal, grab some more money and hand it to Mookie Betts, or they hand it to Max Scherzer or Trey Turner or all this other stuff. They just do what they want that way. That's not a way that the Reds are going to operate, but they could operate like the Braves. They could operate, uh, which is a team that, yeah, their media market's bigger than the Reds, but it's not as if they have always uh, operated with this distinction that they're just going to throw money at every single one of their problems. They did it smartly. The Reds can do that. That's not saying that it's all going to be done by signing guys that are $20 million a year players. You can get value out of different guys. You can get value out of a $10 million option for Wade Miley. The Reds have to be proactive with that, though, and they have to understand the opportunity to contend this year. But they do not see that window of contention. They do not win. And, and shout out to our friend Scott, a, fan, a friend of the podcast on Twitter, because he asked me, he says, "Does the Red, are the Reds as currently constructed able to get over that 100-win threshold? Because when you look at World Series contenders and World Series winners over the last so many years, most of them were pretty close to 100, if not over 100 wins. And I said, yeah, not as currently constructed. They've got to make some moves. And I think that they could do that. They just have to be proactive, and they have to understand that it's not all about cost-cutting and blah, blah, blah. It's time to win. It's time to look at the Braves and understand that being aggressive can be a good thing. And the Reds should absolutely follow what the Braves did and <laughs> attack. Not, not, not expect somebody on their team to just step into a role that needs filled, which is what they have always done throughout my entire life, but go out and get that guy. And I think they can do that. And I just, I just wish that there was some way we could get that across to ownership because it feels like ownership either knows that and ignores that or doesn't want to hear it. That's, that's the way I see it, though. So that's going to do it for us here today on the Lockdown Reds podcast. Coming up tomorrow, I want to dig into another player who is going to be important for this Reds team next year who didn't necessarily have the best of seasons. We're going to talk about Mike Moustakis. I know we've talked about third base a lot, but I kind of talked about the conundrum at third base, and I wanted to break each guy down individually. We talked about Gino today. Again, earmark October 18th, because when we talk about Gino moving forward, I will reference today's podcast because I'm not going to just bore you with constant Gino battering all offseason long. But tomorrow we'll talk about Mike Moustakis as well and what that situation might hold for the Reds this offseason. And like I said, Paul Holden from Lockdown Rockies will join us on Wednesday to talk about the Rockies' interest in Nick Castellanos. 
And then Thursday, we've got Cam Miller talking about some great history stuff. We got Game 6 of the 1975 World Series that we're going to talk about. We're going to talk about the 1976 Big Red Machine that swept the Yankees for the World Series. And we're going to reminisce about the Reds bringing David Bell on to be the manager of the Reds uh, of the ball club and the fact that he's going to be here for a few more years. And then on Friday, Wick Terrell will join us to put a bow on the season and talk about the offseason with the bold prediction to boot. That's all coming up this week. Make sure that you're following and subscribe to the podcast wherever you get your podcast. And thanks for making us your first listen. Now go check out the Locked On MLB podcast as Sully's got you covered from all angles for this playoff uh, race and the playoffs that are currently going on, the ALCS and the NLCS. That's Locked On MLB, just like Locked On Reds, free and available wherever you get your podcast. I'll talk to each and every one of you tomorrow. Hey, Prime members, you can listen to this Locked On podcast ad-free on Amazon Music. Download the Amazon Music app today.